Tom Parry. Oh, Matthew Boyle. How are you doing? Yeah, all right. Cheers. <laughs> I can see that you are wearing a one-piece shirt. I'm glad yeah. The assimilation to my my cause is has finally happened. Yeah, I I'm totally into One Piece. You've totally converted me into a One Piece fan. One of us. One <laughs> of us. One of us. It's Tom Martin. Yeah, oh, those levels are fine. <laughs> well, I, I I'm just looking at my levels now, and they, they seem it's stereo. Yeah, I can see it's stereo. There's two light, two, uh, which is good, isn't it? It's meant to be stereo. Yes, it is meant to be. Stereo. <laughs> I don't know, no. Matt. It's been so long since we've podcasted that I can't remember what it should look like when I'm recording. Yeah, well, I like I said to you before we just started recording. I recorded my own voice yesterday to do mm. a a side project that I'll mention in a few weeks. And, um, yeah, I, I have a weird American accent throughout the entire thing. I don't know why. I guess it's because I'm trying to over-pronunciate or I've been listening to too many podcasts and not talking. So that's I'm it sure it's not as bad as you think it is, Matthew. It, get, it, it gets better throughout hmm. it, Tom. There's also, I'd also do voices in it, and I'm not going to do that in the final thing. So I, oh, I'm really? just throwing that out. That, yeah, I, 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 so, I, yeah, I was listening to... I've been listening to lots of podcasts and stuff over the over the Christmas break, as one does. Lots of game of the years and whatever. But also, I was lis- I finally read um, Kazuo Ishiguro's um, "Never Let Me Go." Oh right, yeah, there's a film based on that. There is a film based. Yeah, I've on seen that. it yeah. with Kieran Knightley. Yes, right? yeah. and I I had Marta had watched that film, my wife, um, and I had. I had seen it, and I started reading the book and had completely forgotten about the film. And then halfway through the book, I was like, "Oh no, I remember the plot twist in this," and that kind of slightly ruined my enjoyment of that book. But it's very good. If you haven't seen that film or have no idea of it, recommend both. Yeah, um, it was great. Yeah, and yeah, essentially, what happened after that was I ended up reading more Kazuo Ishiguro. Like I've I've read Clara and the Sun. I've got the Buried Giant here, but I've never read his first like bri- well, it's his third novel, but like his most famous one, which is um, oh gosh, the, I've been reading it. Uh, Remains of the Day, um, which also has uh, an Oscar-winning film with Anthony Hopkins, which I feel is very good. Yes, and so. Uh... Be- because yeah. of that, I ended up doing a, a slightly Anthony Hopkins-esque voice. But he's and Welsh, isn't he? He, he is from Patalba, Tommy. He's from my <laughs> neck of the woods. So that's only natural, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, he's got he such, got a, such a Welsh voice, so I see an accent. Well, no, he's got such an such an intonation that I yes. really like Anthony Hopkins's voice. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was just I. I ended up kind of doing somewhat of a voice of that because even though I had, even though I'd written this short story before I had read Remains of the Day, I 
I was then I just had Anthony Hopkins on my brain when I was doing it, and I'm like, oh, actually, mm. I'm just going to read this straight. It's going to be a lot more impactful rather than me doing a crap Anthony Hopkins impression that goes to a David Attenborough impression every five <laughs> minutes. Um, so yeah, I, that's a complete tangent to say, Tom. It's been a while. Should have left you without some Tom and Matt to step to. That that's a song. Okay, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I haven't been writing any stories, but uh, yeah, I, I've been enjoying some good storytelling recently, as you know, through uh, things like One Piece and uh, <laughs> things like Book of Boba book... Fett, but oh, I won't f- mention oh, No, I refuse. I refuse to let you the, put that The long down and on short record. of that is I, I like it. Matt doesn't like it. Well, I don't think it's the greatest TV show. I, I have been enjoying it, and it's, it gives me my Star Wars fix. So um, there's a lot of well, things I appreciate right. about it, but Matt doesn't like it. So <laughs> saying, saying I don't like it is is fair, but like I I think it's like a six out of ten. And well, that's fine, you know. Just you you expect a higher level from Star Wars. It's just what I it do. Is. Do you nowadays? I'm... Well, <laughs> right. Put it this way. I I think the Mandalorian is perhaps. Well, the first season of The Mandalorian. I think the second is sometimes a bit hit and miss as well. Mm. I I think the first season of The Mandalorian is perhaps the best Star Wars thing that has happened since mm. the original I would uh, ag- agree with you. Yeah. And so my expectations for what the book of Boba Fett could be yes. are, are slightly tempered by that. But also, I was very afraid of The Mandalorian season two being shite because the first one had received such high acclaim. And I never thought it would have been like shite, though. Shite is such a harsh word well, to use. I, There's Tom, no way it was going to be shite. My my fear was, and I, I feel this with Book of Boba Fett, I mm. feel that whenever there is something like this successful from an established franchise that mm. does well after it not doing well for a certain amount of time. I feel like, you know, there's too many eyes on it and there's perhaps then too many cooks meddling in, oh, how can how can we make this as amazing as we possibly can? And it often ends up falling short. I mean, it, it, it feels like, you know, when you get a really, really, really good standalone film that doesn't necessarily need a sequel and then it get, becomes a trilogy and you're like, mm. oh, no. What the fuck are you doing to the Matrix, for example? Mm-hmm. Um, the, it, it becomes a bigger thing. They get more budgets. They're able to do weird and wacky things. Yeah. Often for me, when that happens, it doesn't pay off. And so I was kind of worried that The Mandalorian would suffer that same fate. I am very happy to say that it didn't. I, th- mm. I do think there are some episodes in that second series that aren't great, but mm. nothing that I was like, oh my God, they've really jumped the shark here with this. Or at least nothing I can remember anyways. And I feel that Book of Boba Fett is kind of what I'd feared for The Mandalorian Season 2, in that they're trying to have it always, and they're trying to do loads of weird stuff with it. It seems like a smaller thing to me. It's less... um, He doesn't travel around, really, does he? He doesn't go to other planets. It's not... In that aspect, it's very contained, obviously, on Tatooine. So is this what we're going to expect from Obi-Wan series, maybe? I don't know. Potentially. But the fact that we know he's going to fight Vader again would imply that he does leave Tatooine, so it's... Yeah, I I don't know, man. Anyway, we'll wait and see. Unless unless I hear absolutely stellar things about the rest of the series, I'm just going to go, no, okay, Book of Boba Fett, it's not for me. Mm. I, the thing is, right, there is so much good TV out there, and we 
there are so many things. There's too much to, to watch, watch now. Yeah, you have to prioritize, don't you? It has to you, be time. Yeah, it has to be a solid eight or nine out of ten for me. Like, I I can't I can't think of a series in recent memory that I would say is like a ten. And nowadays, you just won't watch something because it's Star Wars. No, exactly. Yeah. And mm. uh, like I I watched The Witcher and really enjoyed The Witcher season two. Were you watching Succession, which obviously is a completely different thing on HBO, but it is amazing. It's really mm. well done, and it's. Mm-hmm. It, it, I just I think the level of quality and care and attention to the storytelling and the acting is just leagues and bounds above something like the Book of Boba Fett. And just because there's astromech droids and occasionally someone mentions the Force, isn't really enough for me anymore. Mm. Do you enjoy the pit droids in Episode Three? Oh, I, I, I did. Yeah, I, you know, I, I love people going through a, a picture of Jabba the Hutt on a, on oh, a that, yeah. segue. <laughs> that made oh, me. God, chuckle. let's not talk about it, Tom. Uh, yeah. yeah, but you, you may have already guessed by this uh, elongated talk about movies and other stuff that maybe we haven't played as many games as we might have normally had. Actually, in my case, I've played a lot of games, but I can't talk about any of them in any particular detail uh, whereas matt you've played what did you say a couple of things yeah I, i've played a few things i mean first off right the, the first thing i will say at the start of this podcast is i made a comment i remember in the last podcast about spider-man's swinging being clunky completely take that back got used to it actually <laughs> spent more time over the christmas break playing that game swinging around collecting backpacks and doing tower things than i actually did doing the story so so you really enjoyed that aspect of the yeah, game yeah it, it, it turns out that they're just like swinging around the city but it's actually but more i will i will on the combat th- so. does the comment still stand that it was still was pretty good in spider-man 2 wasn't it but do you yeah, think this exactly. is is this leagues ahead of that? Would you say or no? I I no. think what you said. I think this reminds me very much of Spider Man Two, and yeah. I'm I'm just happy to have a, a modern way of doing that in something that actually looks yeah. nice. And well, there's no denying that it's a good game. I mean, I don't think you could really uh, contest that, could you? No, I I don't necessarily. I don't really love the combat, if I'm mm. honest. Like doing the. The missions where you go to like the kingpin safe houses on the construction sites and like beat the crap out of like seventy people. Yeah, it's it's, it's sw- of... you enjoy swinging more than fighting. Yeah, but this is, this is <laughs> in a Spider Man right? game, is that Spidey loves swinging so much that kind of it I'm make like, love oh, not okay. war, Matt. Make love not I'll, war. I'll play the story. <laughs> I'll go through this, but I'm not really enjoying the time of the combat. The stories, mm. the story's okay. Like I'm enjoying the story, and that's yes. what's keeping me playing. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I'm like I'm very lukewarm on the combat. Put it that oh, way. Gosh, you just reminded me of something else I've played an hour of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what's the first hour of something you've played? Ah, uh, well, you took a long time writing your list, and I've got four yeah, games on mine. Yeah, so. so I'm just going to count up these games. Fourteen. Wow. Okay, so the first, I played the first hour of Uncharted 2, actually the live stream for Blast Process the other day. Now, I seem to remember back in the days when we were living in the same country that I yeah. did start Uncharted 2 and I think you uh, quickly took over. <laughs> this is yes, when we were back um, at Grauhoi, I could, think. You were struggling with the train bit right at the start. <laughs> And I had to help you with it because you just you couldn't get the climbing and you kept falling off the train to your death. Well, I'm a bit better at that now. 
as you can Good. see in its live stream over on Blast Process uh, YouTube channel and BlastProcess.com if you're interested in watching me play the first hour of Uncharted. Um, it's an ancient game. I'm not sure why exactly I chose Uncharted to stream the other day other than I wanted to do a story-based game. Yeah. Because I find streaming those sort of games is a lot more interesting than watching me play a racing game or a fighting game, which are the genres I usually uh, like to play. So um, Uncharted 2, I have to say, it's a much better beginning than Uncharted 1. You know, I was really getting tired of shooting people playing Uncharted 1. Yeah. At the, the beginning. That was like the first hour and a half I played of that game. <laughs> and the, Moving well, on I mean, to this, it was more stealth-based, isn't it? The beginning of Uncharted 2. I think they get better in the second one um, at blending the combat and storytelling a lot more. Mm. It feels it, they feel at odds with each other in the first one. There's clearly like three sections of the game. There's run around, do Tomb Raider stuff, yeah, story stuff, or shoot stuff, and there is yeah. there's no blend of those. And I think they get better at doing that as the story, as the story and the yeah i agree there's a fair amount of jumping around as well in that first section of the game more more so than i think i remember and but with, as you say better integrated with the uh stealth action and, and so yeah. on and so forth uh so yeah good first impression i mean the game shows its age i didn't expect it to actually it's been a while since i played uncharted one and that was on the nathan drake collection uh, like this is and uh while it's still a very good looking game it's definitely of its era, isn't it? I mean, yeah. uh, there was some like uh, when you go into Borneo on like the third chapter of it, and there's a slow pan down through these trees, and the trees just look like really like wow, they don't look so good. I mean, you yeah. can't pick it a game that is this old. You can't expect it to look like a modern video game, but it does actually. And with show you how far we've come and i didn't realize that graphics had come on so much since the ps3 i didn't quite appreciate how far we've come after just playing last of us 2 recently and then going back to uncharted 2 it's sort of like wow we really have come come away yep i mean this is the thing right like it we we have progressed dramatically in terms of how games look and feel and play even from that era to to this era maybe less of a jump from say ps4 to ps5 xbox yeah. one to xbox um series so um yeah I, I enjoyed what i played of it will i go back or will i leave it another few months before i do a live stream on uncharted 3 <laughs> probably more likely how does it feel playing uncharted 2 after playing the last of us part two well it doesn't feel bad no okay. i mean it doesn't feel quite as smooth um yeah. a little bit more janky but not in a not in a huge way uh, i noticed a lot of uh, fixed camera angle kind of stuff going on with yeah. the very small little movement of, of the camera they'd sort of set you up in a sort of fixed camera like perspective for you to do that section and then it switches the camera angle to another section yeah, I I think yeah. that is, to be fair, that kind of goes through Uncharted Three as well, from what I remember. I think mm. that's just them trying to make a very cinematic game. But I what's great that's... about it, like actually uh, Last of Us Two, the the level design, the game design is is very well uh, refined because you know what to do. You kind of know where you should go next, even though it's not necessarily signposted. No. There's a flow to how you move through the areas. 
that it just feels natural and you don't feel like, at least in my experience, that you're getting stuck in not knowing where to go. No, I, I think they're very I think they're very good at it. And I I kind of disagree with you that it's not signposted. I just think they're very good in in those games at making you think you figured it out. Because I you will Oh, you start... think it is signposted, you mean to I, say? I think it is, but I don't think it's like obvious. You know what I, I mean? I think well like, you can press like... L one in Uncharted Two to sort of give yourself a signpost to show you where to go. The camera will move to where you need to be looking. Yeah, but yeah. I, I I think the you know like by using subtle things like lighter shades. Yeah, or... yeah, I I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it is signposted, but in a subtle way. That yeah, so exactly. Much that maybe I don't notice it to the same degree I you do. I yeah, I just I just think they're very good <laughs> at level design. I just think it. Yeah. It, the Uncharted games, for all their flaws, and as you say, like them showing their age a little bit in terms of how the action plays out and everything else. I I think are truly great games. I think they're really well designed mm. for what they are. And you know, you get invested in the story. I mean, you care about 100%. what's going on. You want to see the next cutscene. The performances are all really good. Um, it does make me uh, kind of excited about the Uncharted movie that's coming up. I'm kind of like, well, if they can mm. sort of replicate the same feel in, you know, it, it is it is a strange thing that movie is. It? it is, isn't it? Like. Those, I mean, other than the casting choices and everything else, I just mean mm. that that movie is clearly it takes so much from that adventure genre, particularly Indiana Jones, to then translate that into a game to translate it back into a film. It seems kind of weird. It does. It, sure it'll be fine. I think it's going to have that sort of national treasure flavor. Yes, me too. Which I I, I, I haven't I'm seen okay a film like that for a while. You know. No, me neither. So I'm, I'm all right. With that one, I I will happily watch. It might it be on. quite good. Um, so yeah, Uncharted two. So that's that's uh, game fourteen. Is it crossed off the list here? Huh. Uh, do you want to talk about something else that you've played? Yeah. Before I, I can, waffle on, I can talk about something. <laughs> right. So uh, as Tom said, like I've I've mainly spent Christmas and everything else, kind of reading and occasionally watching some stuff. Um. On my on my sliding scale of experiences and like how I rate movies, there are very few films that I would say, okay, that is a ten for me. I think it's a very high bar in my head of what is a ten. Mm. Um, one such film, though, Tom Parry, though I I think there's probably two by this director that I would rate as a ten, um, is John Carpenter's The Thing, um, from 1982. Mm. I. For me, it is uh, even though it's perhaps I is it fair? I I would say it's my favorite horror film, but I don't mm. really know if you should classify it as horror or if it's a thriller or whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. How would you, Tom Parry, action platformer extraordinaire, classify the thing? The thing. I don't. What the the game of the film? The film, Tom. <laughs> oh, the film. I, well, when you said thriller, I thought uh, perhaps more thriller than it's got some horrific moments. Yeah. But I'd say it's more sort of a thriller. You're always kind of guessing what's going to happen next, and you wonder where it's going to turn. And uh, yeah, maybe more yeah, thriller. But anyways, I I love that film. I think it is incredible. I mean, the cast is amazing. Everything about the thing. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's great. Mm. Obviously, there was a PS2 
slash played Xbox it. slash PC yeah. game for the thing, which was mm. okay. I didn't mind it at the time. Survival horror. Well, I um, did. I, I didn't like it that much because I got rid of my copy when I, at the point where I was sort of trading in or selling games. So really, yeah, yeah. I thought it was particularly hard, and I think most games that I have played over the years that are taking some inspiration from the thing tend to be because that's kind of they're trying to evoke that feeling of oh god is who in your side is gonna be turned into a thing and you're not gonna notice ah um and so even playing there's a board game i think you played as well right uh, mm. who goes there which is i've played that a couple of times it's uh, yeah. entertaining game the, the the title of the short story of which the thing is based um I, I I like that game. I've also been seeing there's been lots of like weird stuff on the internet recently that someone had done like a McCready Polly Pocket, if you saw that, like a Mighty no. Max thing of the thing. It, it's not very good, but it's just Kurt Russell's head and it opens up and there's like a, a <laughs> snow scene inside it with like rough buildings. But um, I I really like that film and any time I see something that's like inspired by John Carpenter's The Thing... I'm at least pick it up to say okay. So, have you seen good. that there's an official thing game now? I'm very curious to see how that would compare to Who Goes There. Who Goes There? Yeah, me too. Yeah. I it's been one of those things, and I've seen that there's miniatures with like rough likenesses to the characters yeah. as well. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't mind that little McCready with the goggles and the flamethrower. It's, it's cool. good though, I wonder, because that game sort of nailed that really well. Who goes that game? So I th- I think so too. I haven't looked into it that much. No, no. Like, I'm I'm sure that our good friends who own Who Goes There will pick it up eventually, and hopefully I'll get around fight around to play it. Let's see. <laughs> but um, I'm not here to talk about board games or that excellent <laughs> movie today, Tom. I I played a a game that, as you know, every now and again I'll just go to the library and like go, okay, what's new in, and flick through. The That's your game go, pass, oh, isn't it? Yeah. It is my game pass. Yeah. <laughs> a library card um i so i went there and i i saw a game that i hadn't heard about called distrust and mm-hmm. it, it, I've not it, heard it says on the front cover that it, it is a game inspired by john carpenter's the thing i was like okay great pick that up then let's give it a go well the title would imply uh yes um yeah. I don't really love it to be honest with okay. you and i think it's because i'm playing it on a console and not pc so, so what are you playing it on? Did you say I'm playing it on the well, I'm playing it on my PS five, but it is a PS four game. Okay. Um the conceit is essentially you are going to an Arctic base and on you are like a, a team being brought in to help the survivors of this base because they've radioed an SOS. And by the time you get there your helicopter blows up and so you are in the mode I was playing, at least, which is just called adventure mode rather than survival, because I know how tough these games can be, uh, you have two people, and essentially you're going into this base to kind of explore and see what happened and see if you can help the survivors. Okay, I'm looking at some screenshots of it now. It looks like The Sims. It is kind of that isometric down uh, isometric buildings look to it. Yeah. Um, you are going through buildings with characters who all have special traits. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that kind of like Commandos and those older PC games. Where yeah, it looks are... like a PC game, Matt, and you're playing it on the console. Yeah. yeah, and it really does not map to a console <laughs> is all I will say. Um, yeah. 
it it becomes very fiddly. So you you are in this top down isometric perspective. You're trying to manage multiple characters, and you are trying to get them to do tasks as obviously meters are running down. So I think everyone has a stamina meter. Everyone's got a sanity meter, and then there's an a, a warmth meter on it. Sounds like who goes well. there? <laughs> yeah, and so you are trying to keep these three meters alive while getting characters to do tasks. Um, it is one of those management sim-type games that is very unforgiving. Um, it, it almost feels as punishing as like a roguelike would be, though I don't think this game is procedurally generated. I think you are going from map to map the same way you would. And you are constantly making choices so i played through the tutorial i played through the first area and i was almost dead by the end of the first area and was like oh, maybe this is maybe i'll just wait and hopefully one day play this on a pc you you're going through it and you're trying to for example like okay every time you go into a building you need to make sure all the windows are shut and you need to find logs to put on a fire and so you're trying to micromanage some of this stuff and then there's also acts of like random chance that happen. So when I lit one of the furnaces, there was a shiny object inside. And it was like, do I reach inside the furnace and go for this thing? Yes. And it tells you like the probability of you succeeding. And I was like, yes. And so I did. And I managed to get a lockpick, which is great. But another time, I just searched the cupboard. And they're like, oh, I think there's, I think there's something in the back of the cupboard that could be useful. And you're like, okay, well, grab the thing that's useful then. And he's like, oh no, it was broken glass. My hand's cut. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a bandage. You're slowly bleeding out. What the fuck do I do in this situation? Um, so it, it is very much of that don't starve survival management style thing. Uh, that would be fine. I would play a bit of it because of the theming around John Carpenter's the thing. But the controls are incredibly clunky on a console. Mm. Um, you, so you're controlling the camera with the right stick. You're controlling the like a cursor with the left stick for you to like click on stuff, which means that to turn the camera inside a room, you're using L1 and R1 but you're also using L2 and R2 to switch between characters. Hmm. So you're using the bumpers a lot where I feel that you should be using the stick. Hmm. And it just it becomes very cumbersome very quickly in a game that essentially you kind of need to be making very fast decisions. So, sometimes feels... you wonder, I mean, obviously um, converting it to console is a challenge in itself, but yeah, I have... I mean, like anyone, you come across games where you just can't fathom why they've laid the controls out like that. Why they think that's yeah. the best way of doing it. There's got to be a better, a better way. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, right? Like the easy fix to this would be just simply, if you have an eBay, eBay. purchase, <laughs> um, if you have a like a toggle on like L three or something like that to switch between like mouse control and camera control or something would just be an easy fix because then you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to think about like okay well i need to switch through characters with the same buttons that i am switching the cameras and also it just becomes really cumbersome there's not really a way i found to 
you set like you can send your characters out to go to another building and then I've never really found a way when I'm flicking between the characters to quickly snap back onto the character to see where they are and what situation yeah, they're doing. It's you using more the buttons a lot rather mouse, than just yeah. like click yeah, it, it it feels like a game that should be played with a mouse and keyboard. So I will mm. hold off judgment, but I will say if you want to play this game, I would not recommend playing it on PS4. It feels mm. overly cumbersome. And if to that extent, that... probably not Xbox as well. No, probably not, mm. which is a shame because the art style seems fine. I, I, I'm I, up for a bit of punishment if, if it feels fine to play, but it, it felt like I was getting in my own way even on the tutorial missions, I was like, well, what is this going to be like in later missions when I'm trying to deal with stressful situations like people yeah. turning into things and whatever? I'm just going to die. So I was like, no, I'm just going to leave this. Okay. But you tried it, and it sounds it like an interesting game that's probably just better on PC. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, what else have I played then? Well... Uh, I probably think one of the highlights of the games I've played recently has been Cruising Blast. I bought it uh, just after Christmas. Have you had nothing uh, but good things? I mean, if you're a fan of arcade-style racing games, especially those of sort of the Dreamcast era, like Hydro Thunder, uh, Midway stuff, you know, unlike yeah. the original Cruising games Cruising, as well, yeah. Um, then, yeah, they've really nailed it. It's uh, incredibly satisfying, uh, very exciting, uh, I guess also it's a bit like you've played Speed Devils as well on the Dreamcast. It's sort of like, there's a, for example, like I think in Speed Devils you get like UFOs and dinosaurs and things I like that. I think I've seen you play it, but mm. I don't think I've played oh, It's a racing game, Tom. I'm not going to have played it. No, 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 no. So it also reminded me of that. But uh, some of the outlandish things that you can unlock, for every sort of cup there's a theme. So maybe police cars in throughout one cup. Or maybe there's uh, helicopters throughout another one, or dinosaurs. <laughs> and yeah. then, as you do these cups, you uh, then can gain the ability to unlock new vehicles, like the helicopter or the dinosaur. And I think eventually you get like a unicorn. So that gives you a good idea of how outlandish it is and how it doesn't take itself seriously in any way shape or form also the uh, theme tune for the game when you just turn it on and you, you greet with a menu the theme tune is incredibly catchy and cheesy and uh, as i say the game plays really tight really fun and uh, has a few interesting uh, mechanics sort of you can sort of flip your car into the air and land on other cars and get a boost off that which is a bit right. different <laughs> and uh, of course power sliding is integral i mean i think on some especially some of the harder difficulties if you're not getting the optimum boost out of your power slide on every turn then it's going to be quite hard to get first i've played through the whole game on easy i've played through part of it on normal uh so you know it's not inaccessible because i'd heard some reviews of it saying that um yeah it's really hard but it's only if you play it on the harder difficulty levels as you'd expect you know there is definitely that easier option there and normal's okay but it's you know it's a good good challenge i think anything above that's going to be really (laughs) difficult though honestly i i think with arcade races right like I can see why reviewers might say a game like this would be difficult. I often struggle when I mm. play games, even like Sega Rally. Mm. Oh, Sega Rally is hard because the checkpoints, you know, yeah, checkpoints and, do tend to make it even more tricky. And I, I think there is a degree of like 
expectation when you play an arcade racer that you kind of will play it again and again and you will get better. Mm. And I just don't think in this day and age, Tom Perry, where people play Mario Kart, um, that people are that used to doing that. And mm. it often Maybe shows not, me yeah. for a loop when I play arcade racers. Because it feels yeah, feels like a game that could have been released, uh, say, definitely in the Dreamcast era, which for me is perfect because I love the Dreamcast because it's an arcade game-based console yes. uh, for the most part. Uh, I also love it because it's Shenmue, which is totally different, but we won't go into it. I was going to say, I was just expect, expecting our Shenmue reference. Yeah, we had. To, I thought I had to drop, drop that in somewhere. Uh, but I totally recommend uh, Cruising Blast. It's a heck of a lot of fun and kind of unexpected because to look at it, you don't necessarily think that the, the Cruising series is one that would... Uh, <laughs> imply a really high quality fun game and yeah. i think yeah reviews have also pointed out that it may not be at the peak of graphical prowess or anything but it runs incredibly well i mean i, I didn't notice any sort of issues with the way the game ran yeah. um you compare that to the recent gta definitive edition ports and it's that that makes them even more shocking um I'm only making that comparison because I, I play both uh, in sort of the same time frame because uh, my girlfriend, Claire, she picked up the Divinity Edition on the Switch. Yeah. Now, she'd been playing uh, San Andreas on the um, Series S uh, for a while. And, and, you know, I think we spoke about it on the podcast. It's fine. You know, there aren't, to me, there didn't seem to be any, like, real issues with that port. Uh, there probably are. There's a few glitches here and there, but nothing that really affected uh, the gameplay experience. Yet on the Switch, there, there's a major issue. I say the major issue with it is it, it chugs along, um, yeah. but the, the fact that the cars, the other cars on the road, can appear out of nowhere only seconds before you get up, drive up to them is in, very irritating. I think Claire said you sort of get used to it after a while, but the fact you have to get used to cars just appearing out of nowhere when you're trying to drive around is, uh, yeah, it's kind of frustrating. And I, I really, at least for um, that's Vice City I was playing. Um, Claire informs me Sandra is, is a little better, but she's not played three yet. But yeah, yeah, I can't recommend that port at all. If you've got the option to play it on um, another console or even PC, then I'd say that's the better way to go. Vehicle surprises are, are nothing anyone really wants. I can understand why that would be frustrating. Yeah, I, I think things like also like um, civilians dropping out of the sky and, and, and from nowhere and then landing on top of a, uh, a lamppost and standing up there, you know, and things like that happening. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, there's some weird stuff. But you should still she's that. playing them. Yeah, she, yeah. She's, uh, she's still playing them, and you can still get enjoyment out of it. I mean, it's not unplayable, but there are things in there that make it frustrating to play. And a quality, you'd expect a certain quality, and that quality is not there in the Switch ports, at least. Uh, otherwise, you know, actually, it does kind of look, it looks sharper than if you were to play the PS4 two game on the PS4 because initially we had those um, ports, what we call ports or emulated versions of the PS2 game running on PS4 and actually went back to play one of them recently and uh, I would rather play the Switch version of the Definitive Edition than play the okay. PS2 version on a PS4. So Yeah, fair enough. 
Just okay. because the Switch ones do look a bit sharper. Nowhere near as sharp as the other console versions do. Uh, but also the, the tweaks to the controls also make them a lot more friendly to play okay. uh, than going back and playing the old ones. Um, it just should so, be better. It should be better than it is. So while you would say then that the Switch version of Grand Theft Auto It's Raining Men Edition is better <laughs> than the old PS2 ones on the PS4, maybe play it on something else. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That that's it. There you go. Um, okay. If you have the ability, to play it on. No, don't play the Switch ones. There you go. <laughs> I, I mean, I I fear this, right? Because you, I listen to a lot of video game podcasts, and generally speaking, the the word is oh, maybe if you can play this on something else, don't play it on the Switch. And I think we're at that stage now, where that is becoming an issue. You know what I but, mean? But it's Cruising like... Blast proves, it's a good example, at least, yeah. of a game that runs flawlessly. It's very fast. It's I think it's a good-looking game. It may not be as detailed as some other games, but um, it's, 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 it's just comparing that to Grand Theft Auto, and it's like Grand Theft Auto is a premier franchise. You know, you'd expect top-of-the-range usage of the Switch hardware. You'd expect them to be able to port it to the Switch, considering it's a PS2 game. Yeah. Um, e, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> That's a shame. But yeah, usually yeah, get, get the other versions of games rather than the Switch versions if it's available on multiple platforms. Cruising Blast isn't, I don't think. But it plays well on Switch. You do get those instances where there's um, the Switch versions play fine. Um, maybe they have to take a few downgrades here. But because there's nothing to compare Cruising Blast to, then you yeah. can't really criticise it. I, I think this is the thing, though, right? I think you can make games for the Switch that are perfectly fine. Mm. I just think it's when you are trying to shoehorn like a late-gen PS4 Xbox game onto the Switch, yeah. which was slightly lacking in hardware anyway that it becomes an issue yeah I, I think apparently Dying Light's good I mean one of those Dying Light ports I've heard is really good on Switch and the Switch can often surprise in how, it surprises you how well it can actually run certain things yeah. but you've got to get it you've got to optimise it right yeah for sure uh, and it's, it's just a real shame that uh, Grove Street I think who did this uh, on behalf of Rockstar really didn't you know hit the mark and it's uh, no, but yeah. it happens, man. Surprising. Yeah, unfortunately, there may be but... reasons why it could have been rushed uh, or what, whatever. I don't know the reason, but yeah. I I mean, I imagine that if they're looking at you know where they're going to put their resources, it's probably not in the Switch edition versus the PlayStation mm. and Xbox. Well, you think that's actually though the unique um, prospect to the Switch version is being able to play it portably. Yeah. Which is, for GTA, I know that's something Claire was quite excited about. Oh, I can play GTA on the train, you know. Yeah. Um, get her a DS or a PSP. Yeah, get the PSP. <laughs> get, get her some Chinatown Wars. There you go. That's all you need. Mm. So, yeah, that, that's a couple crossed off my list. We're getting through this list, Matt. We're doing good. Good. Um, so, I, I've played two more games, as I mentioned. Uh, one of which I, I'd seen some article that had been passed around in my old uni friend Final Fantasy chat that was like oh, 10 RPGs that you might have missed in 2021 I don't know why I said it like that 2021 and um, 2021 
Uh, and one of those was a game called Light Fairy Tale, and I'd looked at it. I was like, wow, mm. that looks like Final Fantasy VII. That's really cool. Um, it's by a single developer um, uh, by a company called Necoworks. Um, I think it's from France when I looked it up. Um, and it, it it's a very good looking game. It's got like beautifully drawn anime esque uh, artwork within the game, and the game itself does look like an early Square PS One RPG. Oh yes, uh, they've gone for that aesthetic, haven't they? With the blue boxes for text as well. Yeah, it looks like Final Fantasy Seven. It does, but it looks like a very polished version of Final <laughs> Fantasy Seven. It's it's kind of yeah. cool. Instead of material, you've got orbs and all these other things. And the the general premise is you are kids living in slums, very much like Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Even um, this environment looks like uh, oh, may, Final it, Fantasy VII. Like, it, it wears its influences on its sleeve. Yeah. I don't think it's trying to shy away from the fact that it, it is very much inspired by Final Fantasy VII. Because you are you're going around this slums, and there's a park, and there's gates that go up in an elevator to the nicer part of the world, and all this kind of stuff. The, unfortunately, though, as really nice as it is, I've only played the first part. I did also buy chapter two because there's two chapters. I didn't necessarily think the combat was all that great, even though it is just turn-based combat, mm. and. The writing feels on par potentially with like something you would expect from a PS1 RPG, but I I think we've moved on from that in terms of writing and storytelling, which is a bit sad mm. to say. Well, especially most recently, there's been some really good examples, isn't there, of uh, writing in video games. It, it it feels like, right, and I don't say this in a disparaging way, as you know, I read lots of manga and I, I watch anime. It feels like it is wearing its influence on its sleeve and it's kind of... The dialogue is a knot of, of like, people calling people senpai and a lot of this kind of... Mm. But cliche. You know, cli- no, not even cliche. It's just self. It's self-referential to... The, the kind of culture that's around JRPGs and also anime mm. in a way that I'm like, oh, I, I feel a bit too old for this. Perhaps it's a bit forced. That Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Mm. Because it's I mean? not from Japan, is it? It's, as no. you say, it's from France. So, yeah. And I mean, to be fair, that's not, that's, I, I don't think that would affect it too much. It just feels. Mm. I don't know. There's something I can't quite put my finger on. I've not finished the first chapter yet. I will do because apparently it's very. You short. bought the second one. <laughs> I well, yeah, but because it was, I think the first chapter was on sale and might even still be on PSN for like two quid. And I was like, right. oh, well, I'll buy that. And then the new one was, I think, around fiver or something like that. It's really not expensive. No, so. no. So you get sort of what you pay for. Yeah, exactly, and you, you know, this being the work of one person is absolutely insane. It is, yeah, it no, is, absolutely, honestly, it's yeah. beautiful. Like it, yeah. it is a great looking game. I just, I think, 
I'm hoping as I move into chapter two that perhaps that combat gets a bit more refined mm. and perhaps they kind of find their footing with the storytelling. Well, uh, a website called Turn-Based Lovers gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Oh, don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't think it's bad. I, no. I think this is just me being extremely nitpicky in the way that there's a reason... Well, you've played a lot games. of this uh, genre, so... Yeah, it, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, if it came to it, I would rather replay Final Fantasy VII, if I'm totally honest. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not beyond the visuals at the moment. It's not really got any draw for me to be like, wow, this is an absolutely incredible... RPG mm-hmm. in a world in which we exist where a lot of those early Square RPGs are now accessible. I mean, they just re-released Legend of Mana, which is a game I've never played and I've heard is fantastic. Mm. They've got new saga games coming out. Like In wake of that, I would say pick this up because it's cheap and I think you'll get a bit of an enjoyment out of it, but I don't think as of yet, as of where it is at the start of this, that I would dare to even compare it to some of those Ooh. better works. I'm just looking at the developer's website now, and uh, Super Knight Riders, they've done an arcade-style uh, motorcycle racing game. It's on the Xbox, I think, right? Yeah, it's on everything. Oh, actually, hmm, I think it's... Yeah, it's on a PS4, Switch, Xbox, Steam. Give it a go, Tom. Give it a go. I don't know, it, doesn't, it looks a little bit uh, underwhelming, uh, but yeah. Fair enough. But it has that aesthetic. I think uh, they've obviously got somebody on their team who can draw anime style (laughs) very well. well. Like I said, I think it's one person. Oh, yeah, you said, didn't you? Yeah, so so this this, this guy, he's a very talented uh, illustrator in that genre. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Okay. That was uh, Light Fairy Tale, available yes. on um, all major formats. Exactly, by the sounds of books it. Are sold. Yeah. But yeah, not Steam on Switch. Xbox. No, it isn't on Switch. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, they've also, from the looks of things, got anime cutscenes in episode two, and the, the visuals seem to take a leap up, so let's see. Okay. Uh, shall I move on to something? Well, we're talking about anime, aren't we? So I'll talk a little bit about. Pirate Warriors series, which surprised me how much I like it, because I've not really liked those sort of Musha games. I don't know if it's a fact it's One Piece that <laughs> makes it more interesting. I but... find that it improves everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I've played the first Pirate Warriors on the PS3. I might have mentioned that a while ago, uh, but more recently I've played Pirate Warriors 3 on the PS4, and Pirate Warriors 4 was also uh, available as part of Game Pass recently, so I downloaded that and tried that. Um, 3 is... 4 is a real leap from 3 in terms of, like, how the scale of it. Right. You know, bigger enemies, uh, more characters on screen, uh, a little bit more frantic, uh, whereas uh, 3 feels quite similar to the original game on, on PS3. Yeah. I've not played the second one yet, so I can't compare. Uh, 3 does start you off at the beginning, pretty much. Really? Uh, rescuing uh, Zorro, actually, is, oh. I think, the, the first mission in um, 3. Uh, and Are you it, telling it, me this is a One Piece game I can actually play? <laughs> I think it was a similar thing. Although one, the first part of Warriors game started off uh, sort of travelling back in time and looking back over past adventures from a 
from a point, which I told you, these sort of like big Sentinel-like characters. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of went back to the beginning. Anyway, Pirate Warriors 3, yeah, you're uh, rescuing uh, Zorro. Um, and it's very straightforward. It's not um, a difficult game to pick up and play. I think it's an accessible Musha-style game. And the combat is very satisfying. Uh, you've played anyone who's played these games before knows what to expect. Really, you've got a, a map and you move through the map, uh, sort of defeating enemies and harder enemies to open gates to progress to the next area. Occasionally, you might have to find an object, like you need to find Zoro's swords and then bring him back to him. But you have to look at the map and think, actually, I can't go that way, so I've got to sort of go another way around the map. And there you'll encounter more enemies and then like a boss enemy. And then there's a lot more to it, though, with uh, leveling up characters. And yeah, it seems to be a lot you can do like between the, the yeah. uh, levels, uh, which I've not really got into because I've only done the first uh, level. But yeah, that was good. One, uh, Pirate Warriors 4 starts you off uh, way into, I think, with uh, Al- what's it called? Alabaska or something? Uh, yeah. A certain arc of yeah, uh, One yeah, Piece, arc. Yeah. yeah, where it introduces uh, Ace, who yes. is uh, Luffy's brother. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I think he's got another brother, hasn't he? Might do, Tom. <laughs> okay. He might do. That would be spoilers. <laughs> but I have a feeling Pirate Warriors Three, going back to that one, does get to that point because there's a picture of uh, another character in front of the box, which uh, yeah. I think is Luffy's other he brother. Might be Tom. <laughs> So you're going to get quite a lot. I don't know how quickly it moved through the different arcs of One Piece. Because yeah. as I say, it starts at the beginning. So I don't know how much we get of each one. But if you want to play a One Piece game that starts near the beginning, you can try try that one. There's also that 3DS RPG that starts at the beginning, Romance Dawn. Yeah. And then uh, I've also played the One Piece game on Game Boy Advance, which is a action platformer uh, with great animation. Uh, it's a little tricky. But uh, not too hard. Uh, interesting. Uh, there's some sections which are frustrating, like Donkey Kong Country, for instance. <laughs> frustrating. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's really well done. Uh, and that starts you off at the very beginning as well. So, yeah. That's a good fun with playing some One Piece games. I've also briefly played uh, Grand Battle 1 um, on the PS1, which is not as good as Grand Battle 2. Yeah. <laughs> And therefore, not as good as Grand Battle 3. <laughs> but Grand Battle 2, actually, uh, I think that's one to start at. You might, you're okay to skip Grand Battle 1. Fair two, 2 solid, but it's uh, 2D, uh, whereas 3 then brings you into the arena-type yeah. gameplay. Um, another arena-based fighting game I played recently has been My Hero Academia 1's Justice, okay. which is, as I say, an arena-based fighter. Uh, and I'm just getting used to that now. I'm kind of getting more into the controls. I don't like arena-based fighters maybe as much as uh, 2D, fighters on a 2D plane, uh, or even, you know, ones where you can sidestep around the character. Uh, But, you know, I I think there's a kinetic, there's a good uh, pace to it, and it's fast and it's fun. And uh... and one that I played that was also arena-based was uh, Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm 4. Right. Where you had um, really epic sort of moments that felt a little bit like uh, quick time events. 
but they were woven quite nicely into the actual combat, which made it feel very grand, and it would cut away to cut scenes. Which, and I thought, wow, this is really impressive. Um, in a way that, that maybe the, the My Hero Academia fighting game felt a little bit more simple, a bit more like an yeah. arcade game, whereas the Naruto one really was like, wow. I mean, this is the fourth installment in the Ninja Storm series, so you expect it to have, you know, to be pretty impressive. Oh, wow. I talked about a lot of anime fighting games there. You did talk a lot about a Gee. lot of anime. I jumped from one to the other. Um, you played yeah. all the arena fighters. Yeah, I played, I played a few of them. I also downloaded uh, the One Punch Man game, which I don't know is arena-based, but I'm guessing it probably is. Yeah, I yet. I've played, uh, that was like six quid on PlayStation Network, so I was like, oh yeah, definitely pick that one up. I thought I owed it to myself to play it because it's a fighting game. Not that I've got into uh, One Punch Man yet. I've only seen that first episode I watched with you. One One Punch Man's good. I I Mm. like One Punch Man. So I've got that to play. (laughs) I also play Jump Force. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, Which, (laughs) I'm into it now. I think when I initially played that, I... After doing the tutorials, you're thrown into sort of like the uh, what do, like the tower in Destiny. You've got like a, a base at the beginning and you choose what faction you want to join up with. And I think first time I played it, I got a little lost. But uh, I didn't this time and I was actually getting into the missions. And that's good as well. You create your own character in that one. But you yeah. can still play as other characters too. You do have that option. Visually, that's really impressive. Uh, jump force playing it on ps5 um assuming it looks good on ps4 as well it certainly looked good on xbox one when i played it on that ages ago uh so yeah i like that as well uh so i'm getting into a, these arena fighters that aren't power stone because <laughs> yeah power stone i like power out or grand battle because grand battle you can pick up objects and throw them and as you can in power stone and in some of these other games that aren't there isn't that you know, like Jump Force or... Um, sorry, I'm, I'm getting lost now. Ultimate Ninja <laughs> Storm 4. No, Ultimate Ninja 4 or One's My Hero Justice. Academia 1's Justice. There, there isn't that sort of items to pick up. One's Justice has support characters, as does Jump Force, that you can bring in. They're all pretty good. I mean, I have to say, I've enjoyed playing all those games. I think they've all got something... I don't know if I'm 100% sold on that style of fighting game yet. Yeah. But I have enjoyed my time with all those various games. And I think I like Musha games now because of One Piece. Yep. Hey, Tom. Like, <laughs> it sucks that you haven't spent, like, 70 hours playing Persona 5. Because let me tell you, Strikers is a pretty fucking good Musha game. Ah, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I... Maybe I should just try it, even though I won't know what's going on. I would... Well, I mean, to be fair, I think there is a Persona 5 anime now. I think you could just watch that and then play Strikers. I don't think it's very long. I think it's only oh. like five episodes or something. Oh, right. Well, there you go, then. Yeah, give it a look. I'll do um, that, because that's on PlayStation... Um... Plus, at the moment, plus, it is. Yeah. Oh, look at that transition. You know what else is also on PlayStation <laughs> great, Plus, Matt. Tom Parry? It's like we're not five. out of practice. No. Um, no, I, I played a bit of Deep rock galactic this morning um the i i had heard good things about this game oh me too i've heard them from our good friend austin actually been yeah playing. exactly like I, I know a lot of people have been playing and enjoying this game and i was like, oh well you know like maybe i'll give it a go 
And so I turned on the PlayStation this morning to download it, and I I saw the words Minecraft meets Starship Troopers. I was like, Oh wow! What? And then I I played it, and yeah, I'm that that is an app description. You are going out on missions. It's a four-player online co-op game, or you can play it solo with like a droid, which is just like an AI that you can send to do mining and killing for you. And you're going into these planets um, with the aim of mining stuff, and like you have mission objectives. So one of the ones I was playing before I realised, oh shit, I should actually be podcasting, was go into this planet, find 15 of these flowers and 100 of this ore. And all the while you're doing that, obviously, like there are swarms and swarms of like these bug-like creatures coming up through these burrows that you're making as you're mining and all this kind of stuff. It feels very frantic. It does feel like Minecraft. It's kind of got that level of PC jank to it, if you know what I mean. It doesn't feel mm. the smoothest thing. But I could imagine it would be pretty fun to play four players. I think when you're playing it on your own, you're like, ah, oh, fuck off, I just want to get through this mission. There's loads of bugs. Whereas I think if you're playing it with four people, you're like, right, quick, I'm going to go mine. You do this, quick, use your machine gun. Da-da-da-da. And there's mm. different classes... The worlds themselves look very nice. You've a lot of it's quite dark, so you've got to throw flares in front of yourself, and mm. all in all, I, I, so it plays to the first person perspective. It's a first person perspective, mm. yeah. You, you've got a pickaxe, but then they start you off as a gunner, which is, means you've got um, like a oh god, what are they called? This is the machine gun from Terminator with a rotating barrel, like a, a, a gatling gun, like a gatling gun. And a a pistol and a a rope, so you can access higher areas and stuff. And I think other classes then have different things. Like I think the there's one called there's an engineer, there's a gunner, there's a miner, and there's something else. And I I think obviously you pick and choose which class you want to go. And I think if you have more players, there'll be more enemies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All in all, I played like half an hour of it, and I'm it scratched a lot of itches for me that I was like, oh, I, mm. if you added a chat room component over the top of this, I think this would be a lot of fun. Okay, excellent. Yeah, it's one um, that you suggested we should have a go at sometime, so I'm, I'm certainly yeah. up for that, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you've got PlayStation Plus, also it's free. So. Yes, as is Dirt 5. Yes, it is. Which is a fantastic game. I've been playing it through Game Pass for quite a while now and really enjoying it. I did decide to download it if only to see the difference between how it looks on xbox series s and how it looks on ps5 yeah and yeah definitely a bit sharper yeah, <laughs> I, I, can mean, imagine. I, I, I don't I, really feel like i have to play it on ps5 to yeah. really enjoy it or anything uh, but it's sharper on ps5 did you did you see the video going around yesterday i'm not i i'm pretty sure it was from dip 5 it could have also been from forza Okay. And it was um, someone racing in a rally car towards a finish line, and essentially at the last minute, a, a car went over a jump and landed on the top of the car that was in first place, and then they went through the finish line and it was like but, second. Oh yeah, yeah. I've had a few instances where yeah, that's things like that have happened. Yeah. Not not exactly the same as that. Not landing on top. That's that's uh, extreme quads type territory. Oh, it's spectacular, Tom. I'll send it to you. Yeah. <laughs> that that sounds great. Um, I did notice straight away with the PS5 version, though the um the what the tension on the triggers is turned on. 
and I did not like that one bit. I had to turn it all the way off. You can sort of, there's a bar, you can make it less uh, less resistance or yeah. no resistance. I turned it all the way off. I, I don't need resistance on my triggers. If you're going to be holding something down, you don't want to spend all that extra effort to keep it held down because of resistance. You doesn't seem to make much sense. Also, the rumble on full blast, the vibration of the PS4 controller, was starting to make my hands feel numb. There was like, it really? was vibrating so much. Now... I never changed the rumble on the um, Xbox version, and that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but on the PS5, <laughs> it's like, ugh, just made me hands feel funny. I had to turn it all the way down to nearly nothing. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so if you're going into the game, know that you, if you don't like the way it's initially set up, you can tone down the resistance of the triggers and the vibration of the controller if you don't like I, it. Honestly, like I, I feel that the I think the delay of people getting PS5s in their hands means a lot of these early gimmicky stuff like trigger resistance and stuff we've kind of missed. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I imagine if you start delving into those games that came out around the launch of the PlayStation Five, like especially I think Call of Duty had it as well. Yeah, I bet they're rife with shit trigger resistance stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I didn't really like it in Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't a fan of it there either. Uh, but then again, I liked it in uh, Astrobot. I liked, because it worked so well, it's like you have a spring, you tighten a spring. Yeah. It sort of made sense there. But if you just want to fire a gun or accelerate in a car, you know, it's like you don't necessarily want it. No. I get it. I understand yeah. why, like, they think it was a good idea. It's like, oh yeah, it's like you put your foot on the pedal, but like, no, if I yeah, I get that, it. I'd get but a it's... racing wheel. But remember, it's a video game. It's no, not... Tom. It's real life. No, yeah, it's like trying to make it feel more like real life when actually you could do without that thing anyway in real life. So, yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't drive. <laughs> I think some resistance on the uh, accelerator is probably a good thing. Yeah, you need you need to find your biting point on your clutch. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, I've also been playing Need for Speed, the that that one with the FMV in. You know, when they rebooted the series. Oh, the like the PlayStation Four launch one. Yeah, I really like that game. <laughs> Even though I find the way the cars uh, handle weird, they sort of feel like they float above the track. Right. Um, I like you know the personalities. Well, I. I mean, they're not the most likable bunch of characters, but I like actually getting the the phone call from them and then going to the location and then getting a cutscene, and it's it's a good looking game as well. It's uh, yeah, it's one I I like to dip into every now and again. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still playing. Uh, what else am I playing? Halo Infinite. Still dipping into that. Still great game. Uh, Halo OD Halo ODST. I did another mission on that. I'm slowly getting through that incredibly short game. I was going to say, it's like four hours long. Just play it. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I just it. do one mission every now and again. I did one mostly in tanks last time I played it. Yeah. You're not um, that far from the end then. <laughs> Fucking yeah. sit down, Tom, and complete the game. Yeah. Yeah, I probably should. Uh, it's weird going from inf- infinite to that because obviously the, the punch is on a different button. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you know, I think the incorrect I, button. Yeah, actually, they're comparable in terms of gameplay. I mean, you get the same kind of fun out of both. Uh, of course, Infinite does look 
infinitely, infinitely better. better. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! And it is a different gameplay style, uh, but uh, ODST holds up very well. Yeah, I've been I've been meaning to play the Gunk, which is now on Xbox Game Pass. Have you seen that? I've heard mixed things. I I've third heard person that it, adventure it, it, game. Yeah, I've heard that it feels like a B grade PS2 game, so I'm sure it'll be right up your alley. Oh, great, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I think the atmosphere and the graphics really struck me. You know, the music and the graphics and uh, the quirkiness of it. I heard there's a sort of uh, Luigi's Mansion type vacuum mechanic going on in there. Yeah. So I've downloaded it. Maybe next time uh, I'll have played it so we can actually chat a little bit about it. I've also played um, Destiny 2 a bit. I can tell you about my frustrations with sodding Destiny 2, right? <laughs> I like Destiny 2, but we wanted just to get on with it, and it wasn't very clear that we had to do that initial tower thing um, in single player, because we were trying to go in there as a team just to progress the story, because they kept telling us, go to the tower next. Okay, we'll go to the tower. Too many people in the tower. I'm like, you can't go to the tower. And it took us a while to work out. It wasn't because there were too many other players in the tower. It was because we were in a team. And you needed oh, to go okay. into the tower on your own. Um, so if you just go into Destiny 2 wanting to play the whole thing as a team, then you have to leave your fire team to do the tower thing, which is just talking to people. Um, and then, then you can rejoin your team again. I hope there's not more instances of that. Because that that really was frustrating. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Not where I played up to, but I it was a long time no. since I've played Destiny two. Yeah, and I thought if you go back to it now, you'd be like, "What's going on?" Because everything's different yeah, and in also terms of where you start. The old stuff at. that I liked isn't in the game anymore. So yeah, yeah, it still plays fantastically. You know that that sure. shooting is really satisfying. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to actually just playing through it. Um, with a couple of friends and yeah, seeing what more Destiny 2 has to offer because I played Destiny 1 quite a bit and I saw a lot of that game Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm eager to you know uh... because I took over our living room for like no a... yeah you played it quite a lot yeah um, Destiny 2 still going strong it seems <laughs> yep uh, but yeah you know, I, I picked up a few other games in in the Switch sale like Space Harrier and Wonder Boy and the Sega Ages um, collection also 100% Cotton which is a game I remember very fondly from oh, my emulation I almost, days I almost bought all the Cotton games I was looking at them going <laughs> hmm should I buy these yeah I didn't in the end but yeah great games yeah is it Cotton 100% or 100% Cotton I think it's Cotton I think it's 100% Cotton isn't it isn't that is it joke? I think it's cotton 100%. Maybe. Because you often hear the series referred to as cotton. You know, the yeah. sequels are cotton too. But then it's panorama cotton. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. That, that SNES one, the original one, I know it's quite pricey now as well to get the actual cartridge. And I yeah. think when I started getting games for the SNES, when I actually had my own console, I was like, oh, I loved playing that on, on emulator. Yeah. Zed SNES at the time. Uh, so that was one of the games I was like, oh, I'll pick that up. And now it's a little unobtainable uh, yes. unless you want to spend a lot of money. Yeah, a ridiculous amount. So why not just get the Switch version? Yeah, so that's that's what I, I did. I agree. It is a very affordable way to get those games. Cotton is ridiculously expensive, especially like the satin versions of those games. Like, uh, 
Well, I, yeah, I have the I have Cotton Two on the Saturn. Really? Yeah, but I got that ages and ages ago. It's probably sell it, Tom. It's probably worth about a grand. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's not the Cotton Two Boomerang. It's just regular Cotton Two. I think. I think there's two versions of Cotton Two on the Saturn. I, st- I still think Cotton Two is worth a lot of money on the Saturn, Tom. Yeah. Well, that's um, even available, isn't it now? It is. Yeah. Uh, Cotton and Two. You would think, right? As I thought naively with Shantae, that it being readily available would actually lower the price. And I saw the other day that people are trying to sell cartridges of Shantae now for a grand. So, Ah, oh, you've got it, haven't you? I do, yeah. I, I paid a ridiculous amount of money for it, and I did not pay anywhere fucking near that. Um, wow, yeah. Yeah, it, bonkers. Absolutely nuts, the price of games at the moment. But like everything else, just... People are hedging their bets on what they think is going to be worth something in a couple of years' time, and it is driving prices through the roof of absolutely everything. Yeah, I, I, I still feel very um, fortunate that I bought a lot of these games a long time ago. And I've said it a million times on this podcast, I wouldn't like to be collecting now. No. Yeah. Yeah, Tom, so from what I can see here... There are some people selling like original inverted commas cotton to from anywhere from like 70 quid to mm. 160. Mm. Mm. And then okay. the, the other version of cotton boomerang. Cotton boomerang. 2 boomerang, yeah. Which is also apparently now also available physically on the Switch. People are trying to sell that physical Switch version for like 80 quid because it's cotton. Mm. Mm. I don't know, mate. The world's gone nuts. I'm yeah, not... it definitely didn't cost me that. I mean, it was one of the slightly more expensive import setting games I bought, but it was under 50. Yeah. I mean, it was maybe about between 30 and 40, probably, when I got it. People in Japan are selling it with the art card and the spine thing for like 228 quid, like regular cotton. There isn't even any cotton boomerangs on here that I can see. Yeah, it's sometimes hard to remember, but I, bet, I, get, I wonder if my eBay has <laughs> perhaps the uh, uh, it goes back that far. I don't know. Maybe I could find yeah, out. But... Cotton Boomerang on the Saturn's like four hundred quid. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. That's that was more expensive. Always more expensive than regular cotton too. It's mm. bonkers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just gonna check how much the last Game Boy Color game I wanted from Japan <laughs> is at the moment, which is Magical Chase. Because um, yeah. I imagine that's probably about four hundred quid now. Um, oh no, it's it's fine, Tom. It's only three hundred pound for a fucking cartridge. <laughs> now it's fine. It's all right. <laughs> that's that's a real shame, isn't it? I almost bought that game boxed a couple of years ago for two hundred quid, and I was like, "That's a ridiculous amount of money." No, I'm not spending two hundred pound, and now I uh, let's go for a grand. Oh fucking hell! What happened? Tom? What happened? I'm glad I just buy One Piece games nowadays. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're cheap as chips because there's 8 billion copies of Yeah, them. apart from that US Game Boy Advance yeah, game. Like yeah, like I said to you, though, I think that's one of the last GBA games. Weirdly, I, I can't remember it. I think that's the last one for South America, but it could also be a Shaman King or a Jing King of Bandits game. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. definitely an anime game, put it that way. Do you have it? I do not, know. Um, no. I... The thing is, right, with a lot of American, in particular, GBA games, I'm always afraid of them being fake. Yeah, like my so, copy of Double Dragon. Yeah, I'm still so sorry about that. I'm still. <laughs> Don't worry about it. 
It's fine. It's perfectly playable. That's the main thing. Yeah, and to be fair, right, like the the issue with Game Boy Advance games over Game Boy Color and Game Boy Original is a lot of them are made with quite cheap EEPROM things. So, mm. like, the lifespan of a Game Boy Advance cartridge, from what I understand from people who know a lot more about electronic boards than I do, is that they're not they're not meant for this world anyway. In the same way that original Game Boy or NES or SNES games are, so. So, do you want an EverDrive if you want to play on original hardware? Eventually, at some point, I guess you're gonna have to. I've actually thought yeah. about this recently. I was just, I, yeah. I've slowly started cleaning the cartridges from my Game Boy Advance and Game Boy regular games. Just like taking a couple out every day and just giving them a bit of a polish to clean the pins and whatever while I've got rubbing alcohol. Mm. And like half of me is like, I should probably take the fucking batteries off these games as well, and like figure out how to solder new batteries onto these, because at some point the battery's gonna fucking break, and hopefully then not destroy the board on my really pricey Game Boy Color games. I'm surprised that I've still know people whose copies of Pokemon are still working. Yeah, blue we, and red. Yeah, you know, we, my, we, mine is dead as a dodo. Even silver's dead. Yeah, silver and gold have worse batteries on them. Yeah. My copy of my copy of Yellow still has my original save on it. I still every time I turn the computer on, I'm like I should record footage of my hundred and fifty Pokemon Pokedex and the printout and all of this kind of stuff, and I always forget to do it. I should do it one of these days, otherwise I'm never going to be able to do it. Mm. Well, the only game I've actually soldered a battery into was that copy Pokemon Crystal. Yeah, I got a few. Um, Which again, seventy fucking pounds a cartridge now. I had twelve <laughs> of them at one point. Yeah, it's, I think I was in CEX not so long ago, and I saw like the Pokemon games for sale in there, and I was like, yeah, I've got a box copy of Pokemon Blue. Uh, yeah. Seventy quid was it, or something like that? No, man, they're like hundred and ten. More. Okay, okay, it wasn't that one. It wasn't that. It was Soul Silver unboxed. Well, no, no, you know, not in the cardboard box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Soul Silver had a cardboard box with a Poker Walker. So just the plastic box, I think it was seventy quid in CX for Soul Silver. Honestly, I've seen people sell the cartridge for about seventy quid. And I'm like, wow. Oh, Yakuza Lost Souls, like forty-five quid. Dead Souls, not Lost Souls. Souls. Mate, yeah. Dragon Guard. The, the, we talked about this on the previous podcast. Dragon Guard, the game that you literally could find in bargain bins in Morrison's up and down the country for a tenner is now £70. Dragon yeah. Guard 2, Tom's like a £100 game. I gave a copy of Dragon Guard 2 away because <laughs> I had fucking four of them upstairs and someone wanted it and it didn't have a manual. I was like, just take it. Yeah. Yeah. Bonkers. Absolutely insane. Well, you know, it, I'm sure in the future we'll we'll have this same chat again and. Uh... Hopefully the prices aren't even more ridiculous. Well, I, I mean, I, I am at the stage, Tom Parry, I should reveal, where I'm finally putting my money where its mouth is. I am slowly sorting through my PS2 games. Mm. Because I have... Well, you said this a while ago, didn't you? But I, I have actively started taking steps now to put the games into a PlayStation 2, play them for a little bit, and see, okay, this is clearly in working order, and put it aside. Don't know how I'm going to sell them yet. Don't know what I'm going to do with them. But it is literally at the point where I'm like, I don't need... Like, I don't play these games. Mm, just, you don't I play just, PS2 at all. I just, other than occasionally going, maybe I should play Yakuza 1 again. Like, I've got Koami now. I don't even need to do that anymore. Mm. 
Like the only games yeah. that I I would like to keep are the RPGs, and I've kind of already made that shelf, and so I just have like stacks of PS2 games on the on the floor of my. Spare well, I think yeah, I've through. got like three three hundred of them. So, but I can't I... honestly, Tom, I'm probably not that far off. Yeah. I've got sealed Phoenix games that I need to get rid of as well. Oh, I did actually. I didn't mention it. I got Constantine on the PS2. Really? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's good. Okay, uh, it is good. Action third-person action game, yeah. Because I just saw this film recently. I'd never seen it before. And yeah. I quite liked it. I, I, I thought, you know, it wasn't the greatest thing ever, but, you know, I had a lot going for it. I good don't think six it's out of ten film. Do you also see that, like, John... Oh, fucking hell, I almost called him John Wick. Did you see that Keanu Reeves was on um, a on Colbert, I think? Oh, he said he'd he'd do Constantine He was just like, I've fucking... I've tried to make Constantine too, like, several times, but no one wants to make it. And I'm like, oh, poor poor you. I'd watch you play Constantine again. Yeah, even though it's hard to tell what he's actually saying throughout that film. He sort of mumbles the whole thing. Yes, yes, he does. But it's Keanu Reeves. No, no, he's a lot more. You can tell what he's saying a lot more in other films. I think Constantine, how he approached that character is he gave him a particular voice, and and it is hard to. You have to do strain your ears somewhat to tell what he's saying. I I do like his performance, but yeah, he does mumble it a bit. Oh God! Oh, we got. I think we've we've reached the end, then, haven't we? I'm looking at game by prices, Tom. It's (laughs) fucking depressing. Yeah, and Chase, a game you could buy for literally a ten then, pounds. You must feel handling... quite good about it at the same time that you, no. you're not having to pay those prices. I mean, you feel I... frustrated for others who maybe want these games and now they can't get them. But at the same time, it's like, oh well, you know, at least I got it at a good price. I mean, yeah, but n- honestly, Tom, nobody cared about these games like five years ago. Like, mm. games see... shouldn't they shouldn't cost that much? They they, they really. There are, li- yeah. there are literally, like, thousands of copies of these games. Like, there are mm. no, there are no like, limited run style, or oh, there are only 100 copies of Lock and Chase. There are fucking... There's probably a warehouse <laughs> full of boxed copies of Lock and Chase somewhere. Yeah, it yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Well. Oh, well. Sorry, sorry Matt. I've got a Game Boy key ring. Look at that. Wee. I've there you got... Go. Everything in my I've got notebooks, I've got everything. Anyways, if you like this podcast, you can find us in a variety of places, such as on eBay, where Tom will be selling his Game Boy keyrings. No, um, no, 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 you, no, you can find us on um, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tom Attack, on Twitter at TMACast, at Game Boy for me, and at Tom Parry 11 for him. You can also listen to the podcast in a variety of places, such as on blastprocess.com, tommattack.com, forward slash podcast, as well as in iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. While you're there, give us a cheeky rate, subscribe, etc. etc. But Tom make Harry, it cheeky. Yeah. Make it cheeky. And five stars. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, Tom, been a pleasure as always, mate. I'm going to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really go enjoyed uh, catching up with you today, Matt. It's. Uh... Yeah. It's all, yeah. it's all good. I'm going to so, play some so gravy. rock galactic, I think. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Sounds good. I'm going to eat a sandwich. Oh, you do that, cheeky boy. <laughs> right, um, <laughs> until next time, everybody, be sure, as always, to game on. Game on. Game on.